Welcome back to the Warehouse Podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Jesse. And I'm Eli. And this is a huge podcast for us because, first of all, it's a celebratory Orioles in first place podcast. And it's yes. Also, yes. And it's also our trade deadline special a week away from the trade deadline special extravaganza. It's not the most catchy name, but it's what I came with, <laughs> up with in the moment. Um, right. But yeah, Jess, you, you came into this uh, this podcast recording session pretty hot and heavy. You're excited. How, how are you feeling? Yeah, of course. I mean, it, it's really starting. I got to say what I sort of compare this to. Um, at least in my mind is like the 2014 Orioles when you know we had all those extra inning wins right and I I actually don't know I wasn't thinking about it strictly in extra inning terms but now that I bring that up I feel like the Orioles have been pretty good in extra innings um, especially thinking about the most recent win uh, in Tampa in extra innings but um, but even beyond that I mean it's starting to feel a little bit like a miracle season, right? Now there's a lot of time for that to change, but um, we definitely have a lot of, you know, everything is sort of coming together for the Orioles in the exact way that it needed to in order for them to be this successful. Um, The fact that Bradish, the fact that Wells, you know, Henderson is now playing really well. We have Adley. So it's just been all these different factors and, you know, a bunch of individual efforts that have um, really culminated in this team seizing first place in the division right now. So um, it, it's really starting to feel like a um, a sort of miracle sort of season um, for the Orioles. And uh, no, it's really exciting. And, um, you know, we'll see how far uh, that that will go you know is it going to go to a world series victory or maybe you know we'll see but um right now it's you know it's really exciting and it's hopefully exciting to think the orioles will be like this for not only this year but even the next few years too so i mean guess we can't get ahead of ourselves anything can happen (laughs) etc etc but you know there's i think there's a lot of reasons to be really excited and um yeah, potentially reasons to be even really excited about our prospects uh, in the playoffs this year. So, yeah, no, I mean, we'll we'll definitely talk about the future of the Orioles. I think that'll come into the the fold when we discuss trade deadline possibilities um, to follow up on kind of what you were talking about with the Orioles being good in extra innings. They're only six and five in extra innings this year, but they are 18 and nine in one run games, which is great. Um, that makes me think of the 2012 team that went 29 and nine in one run games, which is just like, you know, that team, that team was magical in that they played way over their heads and got in the playoffs. And this Orioles team might be doing that a little bit, but it feels more, uh, more real than that 2012 team did. But Eli, I'll, I'll come to you and just check in on you. How are you doing and how are you feeling about our Orioles? I'm great. I feel really good. Um, I think that we are just poised to make a lot of noise. Um, I think wow. that, yeah, I like that. It uh, rhymed. It rhymed. It just came right <laughs> off the top too. That was all natural. Except the <laughs> boys had a D. That was the only problem. You okay, know, with the you know rhyming what, just, part of it. But I, I don't critique what you sorry, say. Sorry so, to overanalyze. Um, but yeah, you right. definitely do critique what I Jesse says. Right. Never. You I never, right. never do that. I mean, even I, I know that I'm, I I need critique. You know, even <laughs> I know that. So, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think 
it's all good things happening. Obviously, we're struggling with some injuries right now. Uh, we we just kind of added a watch item to that list with Aaron Hicks here. We're recording on Monday night. Um, but that said, I think, uh, yeah, even if even if we're without a true center fielder for a couple of weeks here, you know, that look for the season still looks really, really good. And I think yeah. that the Orioles are going to be acting as buyers. I think we're going to, you know, we're going to we're going to do some damage this year. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, let's start right right there with, well, we'll get to trade deadline stuff in a little bit. Let's talk first this series in Tampa Bay. We're going to try to go through the news items fairly quick and spend half this episode at least talking trade. But let's talk about the weekend in Tampa, uh, down kind of in your neck of the woods, Eli. The Orioles went into St. Petersburg, Florida against the Tampa Bay Rays, who have owned first place for almost the entire season. The two teams came into the weekend tied for first place. Mm -hmm. And then the O's took three out of four from the vaunted Rays. Gunnar Henderson was huge. Uh, the pitching did pretty well. Felix Batista was incredible. And now the Orioles have a two-game lead as we record in the American League East. So, Eli, I ask you, are the Orioles the team to beat in not only the East, but maybe the American League? So, it, it's kind of funny that... Those two call. questions are directly tied together, right? I think yeah. that the Orioles and the Rays are both better than the Rangers. Um, okay. I, I, I do believe that. I think the Rangers are really phenomenal. Um, and I think, you know, if Jacob deGrom was still pitching for the Rangers, this might be a different conversation. But that said, you know, like, I think our rotation is good enough to compete with theirs. And I think that um, – I don't know. There's just a lot of good stuff happening. The Rangers have a little bit more star power, but I think we're a more balanced lineup. Um, and yeah, so I then it comes down to the Rays. It, it is difficult to argue with the fact that we just went into their house and took three or four. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think we're six and three on the season against them at this point. Um, so it, it does stand to reason that we are the team to beat in the East, which means we're the team to beat in the AL. Um, okay. That said, the Rays are a truly incredible group of baseball players and should not be like understated at any point. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I think everybody's looking up at us at this point. Fair enough, Jesse. He did. Uh, he ignored the Minnesota Twins entirely. That's I did. Scandalous. I did. It was rather so, disrespectful, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> we're looking down on the New York Yankees, and the New York Yankees are looking down on the Twins still. So this is fair. <laughs> uh Jess what do you think about what Eli just said there do you agree that the Orioles are are the team to beat or do you have some reservations there um you know it's interesting because sort of feeling wise I have some reservations right it's it's hard to sort of emotionally get myself to sort of feel like that that we are the best team in the American League East but um I think sort of at this point at least like right now we are um i don't think we are playoff wise right like if we get into a you know this is sort of what i was saying about uh last time we spoke um you know going down to the wire neck and neck with the rays trying to eke out the division you know i don't love that for the orioles i don't love that situation for the orioles right um and and the Orioles did benefit. The Rays have been scuffling a bit right now. Um, so, uh, but, and a, a playoff matchup, I would not 
favor. I would not. We definitely would have chances, and you know, we would definitely be competitive with the Rays in the playoffs. I think, but I would not. You know, I would. I would be fearful. Let me just put it that way of <laughs> yeah. that matchup. Right. I would. I would definitely be fearful. Um. So, but with you know, with all that said, I mean, I definitely like the Orioles. Do seem like the best team right now playing right now um there's a lot of uncertainty about the future about the future of the pitching staff the few you know we were just talking before the podcast about tyler wells right so there is some uncertainty and are we going to be the best team when it comes to playoff time not necessarily um but you know i mean i think it it's a really really significant thing for instance the orioles have not been swept this year I mean, I think that just speaks volumes about, you know, what this team is, um, the resiliency of this team, um, et cetera. So um, I, th- I think we're the best team right now. I think we're playing the best right now. Yeah. Um, but I d- but I don't think that necessarily translates to when we get to playoff time. The Orioles are like the top seed coming into the playoffs and everyone is scared to everyone will be scared to play the Orioles, but everyone is the most scared to play the Orioles. I don't think it necessarily means that. Okay. Yeah, you sound like somebody that might be working in Michael Ice's front office a little bit. Okay. <laughs> it was it was a little convoluted what I was saying. No, no. I mean, I think yeah. it comes out to say that the Orioles are a good but flawed team that we need to temper our expectations a little bit in the playoffs. But you believe right. they're going to the playoffs. So, yeah. Which I think if you had that expectation in late March, early April, that would feel pretty good. I would feel nice about a 90 ish plus win team, which the Orioles are on pace right now for 100 wins, you know, but you'd feel good about that. Um, and, you know, that that's nothing to sneeze at, especially when it's the start of what should be a long window for the Orioles to be really good. But I mean, I hear what you're saying. I think. You know, you guys throughout the Rangers, they're obviously a team that's a really good offense. Pitching's a little bit more middling. And kind of your point, Jesse, getting in the postseason, you really want like those those top tier starters to really carry you. Texas doesn't really have that. They might get that at the deadline. <clears throat> um in you know, the Rays are, are really talented, but they've had injuries pop up. Their offense has tailed off a lot since the, the start of the season when they were fantastic. The Blue Jays are a little scary lurking there. They've got a lot of pieces there that are threatening. They haven't all clicked just yet, but they're still a really competitive team that looks to be on pace for the playoffs. I think you got to look out for the Astros a little bit. And I think right now the Astros, they need to get in still. They're kind of on the precipice there. They're going to be battling down the stretch and they've had some injury stuff as well, but the Astros are the Astros, man. They just feel like a juggernaut until they're not that anymore. Yeah. Um, when, <laughs> when Jordan and Jose Altuve come back, that's a totally, totally different team. Yeah. Just, yeah, and you know they've lost a good number of their starting pitchers as well, and still seem to be putting together one of the better pitching staffs in the game. So yeah, and and yeah. they just always get it together at the right time. They got Dusty Baker calling the yeah. shots. He's an experienced manager. You know they just won last year. Yeah. Um, so I, I think you know the they, Orioles are trending up. That's what you want. I think there's a lot of reason to believe the Orioles are even going to get better. We're going to see Gunner is like taking off right now. I think the pitching Grayson Rodriguez looks a little bit better now, which we'll talk about him in a little bit than he did in May. Um, Colton Kowser, the stats aren't there yet, but he's hitting the ball hard. Hopefully that starts to come around. Um, I would say like right now, I think nationally you would not, the the Orioles are not viewed as the team to beat. I think people view the Astros, the Rangers, and even the Rays maybe above them. 
and maybe that's to their detriment. Um, we'll see, but I, I, I like our chances right now, at least in the East. I like our chances to take the AL East. And if you take the AL East, you're the number one or two seed. You're getting a buy, um, and that's huge. So the series is massive, and I hope it propels us to being a 9,500 win team. Um, and that that would be so impressive. So yeah, such a, such an exciting weekend. Um, we talked about Gunner a little bit. I don't know if we want to talk about him anymore. Or Eli, any other like takeaways from the weekend you have, or or just just what we kind of covered? Uh, yeah, the the question on the outline, and yeah. I think we just give a one word answer for each of us. The question on the outline is: Is Gunner going to be the rookie of the year? And I think the answer is unequivocally yes. Um, yeah, I said one word answer, so I'm just going to stop there. <laughs> I'll say yes as well. Um, and we'll leave it ambiguous. <laughs> Jesse, this is tough for you. Yes. Wow. A trio, yeah, a trio of you. Jesse has to believe that because he told us before the pod, uh, he picked Gunner as his most valuable Oriole. And, uh, right now that's looking pretty savvy. So yeah, we will see. Yeah. All right. Let's talk news. Uh, real quick, couple things. First, the Orioles have traded for a pitcher. Uh, right-handed pitcher Shintaro Fujinami from the Oakland Athletics. Uh, the numbers on him look awful because he was a starter to begin the year. That didn't go well. He moved to the bullpen. Things have been a lot better. He's pitched twice for the Orioles already. Those two outings haven't gone great. Um, Eli, do you want to give us a scouting report on Fujinami in case people by now are behind the times and haven't looked into what he provides? Yeah, it's really pretty simple. He provides, you know, a 98 to 102 mile an hour fastball and he provides a wipeout splitter. Um, he provides those in uncertain locations at any given time. But both of those pitches by themselves are really, really devastating. Um, you know, we've seen the command issues in his first couple outings with us. They definitely are prevalent. Uh, that said, I also think that he, uh, you know, he had talked about kind of the extra nerves that come with being traded, you know, the higher expectations, playing in front of more fans, playing for a good team. Um, and he is handling that in a situation, you know, where he, you know, is in a place that doesn't speak his native language. And, you know, that comes with inherent challenges. So, you know, I think there will probably be a little bit more of an adjustment period. You know, he can't like immediately come over and make a best friend as easily as some other trade candidates, you know. Uh, so I think there is some inherent difficulty in that. All that said, you know, his command really did look a lot better over the last month he was in Oakland. I think a lot of things were looking up and I fully expect him to be like a very, very legitimate seventh or eighth inning guy. Um, you, you know, hundred miles an hour, 102 miles an hour plays just whatever happens. If he can throw it anywhere near the zone, it's going to be just fine. So yeah. have full faith and confidence in it. And I'm, uh, I'm super excited. You know, we gave up Easton Lucas shout out Jonathan VR. Um, <laughs> like I, yeah, I really, I, we gave up next to nothing for like absolute gas out of the pen. So I, I think it's a good move. Yeah. I think a lot of people seem to agree with that take is you're giving up, you know, I'm sure Easton Lucas is a wonderful person uh but in terms of baseball value to the orioles was probably very low you give up relatively little there you get a player with a, a bunch of seeming ability on paper you only have him for two months because he's going to be a free agent after the year um but so i think value wise you can't really complain jesse i'll ask you eli just said he expects him to be like a really solid seventh or eighth inning guy the orioles kind of used him like that right away 
Obviously, the results weren't great. But what do you think about that role for Fujinami right away as basically the Orioles are, are really trying to build the bridge to Felix Bautista in any way, shape or form they can? <laughs> for um, sure. But what do you think about Fujinami being that guy right away? Yeah, I mean, I think about him. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, the Orioles have been, just like you said, sort of, we've been a little lost in the bullpen. Uh, <laughs> I got to say, Hyde has been struggling to, you know, sort of piece everything together. Um, we've, yeah, so um, it's sort of been a bit of a concern. And I think that's why uh, Elias went out to try to address the the issue, you know, at this time, too and not waiting until the deadline to actually do something because we sort of need that, that help in the, in the pen right now. So, um, yeah, I mean, I actually, I'm, you know, I'm very optimistic about this, right? Just the fact that he throws as hard as he does. Um, I feel like the Orioles will be able to, you know, uh, hone that natural ability that he clearly has, um, and, and sort of, uh, get the best out of them. So this, uh, you know, when we got them, you know, I was feeling like this is a Yen Yer Cano type situation um, where we were, you know, getting a guy that's pretty, uh, you know, relatively, you know, didn't have a lot of value uh, on the trade market and stuff. I mean, the A's got the, for the A's, it was basically a salary dump, right? Like they, he's under like, he has a $3 million contract and, you know, the A's aren't winning, so let's get them off the books, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, like he didn't, he didn't have a lot of value and I feel like there's a lot of potential here for, um, him to do really well with those. So, um, yeah. And, it, and sort of in the systems that, um, the Orioles have created for pitchers. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think the Orioles, definitely are are looking like a team that has the secret sauce to developing those back end arms. Um, hopefully they can do the same here in such a short time span. Uh, we'll see. I would imagine he's got some traits that they really liked and think they can work with immediately. So uh, we'll see about that. I don't, I don't know about immediately throwing him into the fire, but Hey, you gotta, you gotta do it eventually. And hopefully he got his, uh, I don't know, his goosebumps out. And next time we use him, he'll, He'll pitch a lot better because the Orioles definitely need it. Bautista's using being used a lot. It sounds more and more like we might not be seeing Dylan Tate or Michael Gibbons at all this year. We, who knows? So it's hopefully not the last move the Orioles make in the bullpen. We'll talk about that in a minute, but it's good to see them being proactive at least. Yeah, I will say if <clears throat> if this is the only move that the Orioles make, then <laughs> it immediately is cast in a much worse light. But, you, you know, as a like – as you know, as far as bringing somebody in in a collection of how you're going to reshape this team moving forward, this is a good start. Yeah, absolutely. All uh, right, look. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, Jess. I, no, I mean just to bolster Eli's point. I mean it would be completely negligent of the Orioles front office to yeah. to only do this. So <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's talk some bad news. So, and it's been compounded today. Uh, so Cedric Mullins is back on the IL. It's the same groin injury from before. Uh, when it first happened, Mullins was saying he didn't think he was going to need an IL stint. He stayed on the roster for a couple of days. Then it sounds like the soreness subsided and they were able to look at the area a little bit more and there were bigger issues. And now we have no timetable at all. <laughs> so uh, it's incredible how that has deteriorated very quickly. Um, he had some quote about 
how he really hopes to get back for the stretch run of the season, um, which is very different from not needing to go on the IL at all. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Nothing is is scheduled just yet. I see a note here. Eli added that he took batting practice tonight in Philly. It does sound like he is hitting and throwing, but he is not running at all right now is my understanding. And running is the issue. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, you could DH him, but he's still gonna have to run the bases. So I'm not sure what the solution is there. Um, on top of that tonight in Philadelphia, Aaron Hicks had to leave the game with, we're unclear what the injury was. It initially seemed like uh, a wrist issue because he caught the ball and kind of fell on his wrist in an awkward way, but then he was limping off the field. So it's unclear there. I'm sure by the time this gets posted, we'll know a little bit more about his injury, but he was yanked and Colton Kowser went in, in his spot. So I don't know, Jesse, what do you think about the Orioles center field situation right now? It would appear Colton Kowser is going to be the immediate solution there. Are you comfortable with Colton Kowser as the everyday center fielder, given that we don't exactly know what the, what's going on with Hicks or Mullins yet, or would you prefer an alternate solution? Right. So this, I mean, this is sort of the predicament right now that the Orioles are like in win now mode, right. That we don't really have, you know, time uh, in a sense for Kowser to sort of figure everything out and get adjusted. And it's like, no, you're in and you have to perform. Right. (laughs) Um, So that, that's sort of the, the, you know, it's a good situation, but sort of a negative situation at the same time for the Orioles to be in. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I am willing to give Kowser some time out there, uh, but it really depends on the extent of his struggles. If after another couple weeks, he's, you know, not doing well. Um, I mean, you know, of course, the front office has to play this game about, you know, when, you know, they have to know more information about when Hicks and Mullins would potentially be coming back and factor that into their decision-making about what to do at the deadline. But I mean, now I don't think based on what I saw of this Hicks injury, I don't think it's a season ending injury, you know, by any stretch of the imagination, Dr. Ginsburg Um, on the case. Right. Yeah. That would be, I mean, that would be, that would be a disaster and shocking if that were to be the situation. But like if Mullins weren't, you know, if we knew Mullins was not coming back the rest of the year, for instance, a couple of weeks down or yeah, at the trade deadline, right. If we knew Mullins was not coming back, you know, then it might sort of force the Orioles into making a move. Um, now, does it necessarily have to be a center fielder? No, we do have Hayes that could play center if, you know, for whatever reason, you know, a left field option makes more sense for the Orioles. Um, but I, I think it really depends on the extent of the Hicks and uh, the Hicks and the Mullins injury and then sort of what expectations you sort of have for them when they get back. Right. I mean, I think the plan is a healthy Mullins. Right. If he- if Mullins is good to go and is 100 percent when he returns. Like barring like him returning the day the playoffs start or something like that, like you know, if he has a couple of weeks to get himself together before the playoffs, he's going to be the guy. He should right. be the guy, you yeah. know, like, I mean, that's, uh, that's clear. Right. So, you know, you, you sort of get into that. Well, what are you willing to spend 
you know, for a center fielder for just a few weeks, basically, if you're just trying to like cover the gap between, you know, Kowser for a couple weeks and then Mullins returning, you know, or whatever that time frame is. So you get into sort of those calculations about what are you willing to spend and, you know, how much, you know, is this guy actually going to contribute and, you know, how many wins do we think he would actually benefit us? you know, if we were to bring them here, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not an easy situation for the front office to be in, um, because you really don't know what you're going to get when Mullins gets back. You know, Kowser is, is really a question mark. I mean, hopefully like he can turn things around, but it, you know, they're very talented guys that end up coming up to the majors and struggling for two, three months. And that is not at all abnormal. So, um, yeah, I think the Orioles are in a tough spot, um, but I think making a move, even even sort of a, a minor one, uh, should definitely be on the table for the Orioles. And I think that's probably how they're going to approach it, too. I don't think they're going to go, you know, make a blockbuster trade for a center fielder. Of course, I, I think yeah. that's off the table. Right. But um, they, they might need some help out there. Okay, so Jesse doesn't uh, want to go to uh, Ryan McKenna in Norfolk. You don't want to bring him back no, up. And no, spend... no, 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 okay, no, yeah. So you, no, you'll no. you'll ride with Kowser for the next week at least, see how it goes, and for sure, and potentially think about making a move. Je- uh, Eli, your thoughts on the situation? Yeah, I I largely agree. Obviously, this is contingent on Cedric Mullins returning healthily within the next. I guess you know any time before the end of August. I think you don't do anything. Uh, I, I think that, you know, this Orioles team has a deep enough lineup to absorb the blow. Tyler was saying earlier, we just need to play mediocre the rest of the way. So if we play at a 500 clip over the month of August, while we are struggling to figure out who's in center field, that's just fine. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think it's worth going and throwing a bunch of value to the Cubs in order to get Cody Bellinger back. You, you know, it's not a situation like that. Uh, Kowser should do just fine. I, you know, I don't think after what this is his 14th game or something like that, there's no reason to think that he is like anything but you know the top 30 prospect in the game that he is built to be. I'm sure he's going to come around. He has shown you know the ability to see the ball well in the sense of he's got a high on base percentage, he's drawing at like drawing walks, having good at bats. I, I think that. Largely, we're seeing a lot of the same traits in him that we saw in Gunner earlier this year. Yeah. Uh, so, you, you know, I I have full faith and confidence that Kowser will come around. He's athletic. He's got the chops to play center field. You know, there's been no issues with his defense whatsoever. And uh, I actually just got a notification. It sounds like it was just a left hamstring cramp for Aaron Hicks. So mm-hmm. that reinforces, um, I think that, yeah, you, you know, we're going to stand pat and uh, – Cedric Mullins being hurt will definitely hurt us, but I think we're able to absorb it. And I think we're likely to see, you know, somebody just called up to help fill in the gaps. Maybe Adam Frazier gets some more corner outfield time, which is not a desirable outcome, but you know, it's what we'll do. You guys, I think honestly, we might need to just end the podcast right here because as we're watching Mateo (laughs) just got injured 
and you know i'm afraid if we keep going you know we're not gonna have a team <laughs> in a few minutes here so um he he just got spiked at second base yeah i mean this this would be like a yellow card in soccer you know if, it, <laughs> if this was soccer um oh boy so, but well anyway, i know we yeah. we got to take down the, the guy that spiked him's name because that was a huge thing when manny machado spiked dustin pedroia kind of like yeah eight, year, eight years ago so we'll have to what keep... i was thinking of uh chase utley and who was it wilmer flores or okay well that was like a severe situation where he like, oh, okay. broke, yeah. he, like broke his leg <laughs> right yeah yeah right 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 okay. mateo is staying in the game for the record we, <laughs> we are just seeing this now okay you know? well that's that's encouraging right so. while jesse started talking trainer and hyde were out you know yeah. Brian Ebel and Hyde were out on the field, but we yeah, okay. we're, yeah, I, I have we're the uh, past it. It didn't have, look good, but yeah, I have the game day uh, 3D up, which mm-hmm. I has been a thing for a while now, but I just discovered it this past weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. It's amazing, and I so I just see the little video game characters like moving around on the screen, and uh, it's so and much it, fun. It's <laughs> not very cool. not quite as detailed though as uh, no, but you get the yeah. gist. The players are all doing what the players are doing. They just they look like cool. uh, little like Nintendo 64 characters. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, I'll wrap up this real quick on, on Cowser specifically. Um, I'm all for keeping, keeping him in the lineup as often as we see fit. It, exactly what you said about Gunner really struggling. We're seeing Cowser struggle. And the thing about Cowser right now is he's walking at a nice clip over 15% of the time. He's striking out only 17% of the time. So it's almost one-to-one there, which for a rookie's great. And his batting average is 111, which stinks, but we just learned he's putting the ball in play a bunch. His batting average on balls in play is only 138. Like, that's not, it's not going to stay at 138. Even if he he gets up to like 250 to 300, like somewhere in an average range, you'll see his batting average go through the roof um, and he'll be a contributor at the plate. Now, defensively, I'd I'd much prefer Cedric Mullins in there than Kowser in center field, but I think we can survive for a couple of weeks and even better if Hicks isn't really hurt for too terribly long so we'll see Mullins is is an all-star and it's going to hurt to miss him for any amount of time but yeah as long as he's healthy in in enough time to get ready for the playoffs and then play in the playoffs you have to feel pretty good so uh let's talk about one more piece of news before we get into the trade deadline Grayson Rodriguez is back in the major leagues this happened uh shortly after we recorded our previous episode he got called back up he's made two starts so far the results haven't been phenomenal, but there are some good signs here. In the two starts, he's thrown 10 and two-thirds combined innings, allowed six earned runs, 10 hits, uh, four walks, 10 strikeouts, and no home runs. Home runs have become a real issue for Rodriguez in May, uh, leading him getting demoted. He's kept the ball in the ballpark so far. And we we were texting back and forth during um, his first start a little bit. And I think Jesse and I kind of agreed that he probably should, get, should have gotten pulled before he even got into the trouble there. Of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, Eli, I don't know how much you've gotten to see of Rodriguez in these first two starts, but um, how do you feel about him as a pitcher now versus maybe how he looked uh, two months ago? Yeah, I I will be honest. I, I was able to see the Dodgers start. I was on vacation this past weekend, so didn't see him against the Rays. But, it, you know, the big thing to me is, like, he came out and he was pumping <laughs> – you know, 98 to 101 against the Dodgers in the first inning. He was clearly super amped up. Um, And yeah, I think he gassed himself out a little bit early. That Mm -hmm. said, I mean, the stuff looked incredible. It looked better than it has 
at any point previously this year. Um, you know, he like was dropping changeups into righties. And I think that that really, it, you know, the pitch is such a good one that even though it is not used as widely, you know, as a breaking ball to a same handed hitter, um, like when Grayson is good, that right on right change, like dives into the back foot of a right handed hitter. And that is like, we saw it. I remember he struck out Mookie Betts on one. Um, I mean, it's like, it's a phenomenal pitch and that's when he's going well, that is his bread and butter. So I think there were some super encouraging signs and yeah, like we said, you know, he, I I think that the Orioles were in a position where they wanted a little bit more length from him. Um, but he went out there, you know, and he competed and yeah, I, I think he's in this rotation to stay, you know, I think that he's, he's good. Uh, so I, I think they'll let him continue to work it out. If we can beat the Tampa Bay Rays with him pitching, then, you know, we can beat just about anybody with him pitching. So. Yeah, fair enough. Jess, I, I guess I'll get your take on what Eli just said about him being in the rotation. Cause he did kind of bump Cole Irvin from his spot. Irvin had been pitching better, I think recently um, prior, you know, compared to what he was doing in Baltimore to start the season, went to Norfolk, sorted some stuff out. He gets booted in favor of Rodriguez. Um, what do you think about, about that? And, and Eli saying that he's going to stick in the rotation for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think I, I mean I think that's a likely a likely outcome. I think uh part of it, you know, would depend um on if the Orioles were to go get a starter at the deadline. I don't think they're going to. Sure. Um but uh but um if the Orioles did, then I think that would much more jeopardize sort of his spot in the rotation and maybe he gets moved to the pen and used as a pen piece when it comes to the playoffs or something like that. Um, but uh, I mean, I guess I would disagree sort of with the basic, you know, assessment, I guess Eli threw out there was that like, he's good. Um, so, I mean, the only, the only thing I would say about that uh you know, and my my main thing is I think I need to see a little more. He's thrown ten good innings, um, but you know, with that said, um, uh, even before he got sent down, he had some dominant stretches. Um, he put together some dominant starts, and granted, you know, it was you know one of these was against the Dodgers, you know, so um, you know, and and, and Tampa too, so um you know, he's had two good starts, but I think I need to see a little more to feel, you know, fully confident that, um, I, I mean, we, you know, and, and he pitched like five innings each time. Right. So, I mean, to me, you know, we we're we're confident that, you know, Grayson, even against a good team could go out there and throw five good innings or five solid innings. Um, and that's important. Um, but it just comes back to the consistency for him and um you know i we'll see um you know i i wouldn't be surprised if i'm not saying he will but it wouldn't shock me if he had a few bad starts coming up too you know um yeah. i'm i'm sure that's still in him you know so um yeah oh yeah for sure i mean it's i think the orioles have made it pretty clear that they are kind they've they entered the season kind of treating 2023 as sort of a test balloon for a lot of their young guys. And I think they were sort of fine to see what that looked like and what that turned into. They brought in veteran guys to support them. They got 
Gibson in the rotation, uh, McCann behind the plate, Frazier on the infield, and they've got plenty of veterans in the outfield. Like they did it in a, an intelligent way, but it was definitely going to be like, we're going to go as high as our young guys take us. And Rodriguez is part of that. And we've seen the rotation has been good, not great, definitely not great. And it's part of that is because Rodriguez has not pitched as well as I think the Orioles maybe hoped he would. And so it's going to be sort of the same thing for the the rest of the season here too, is while I maybe think the Orioles will get a starter, I don't, and we're, you know, we're going to talk about this in a second. It doesn't sound like they're going to be shopping at the high end of, of the market. So they're not going to be getting a guy that is going to take over that number, that game one starters role. So they're going to need a guy like Grayson Rodriguez to really step up and take the pitching staff as high as it's going to go. We, We know what Kyle Gibson can do. I think we know what Tyler Wells can do. Kyle Bradish is kind of that that wild card that he might be a dude. I mean, that can be the leader of a staff. Maybe not this year, but Rodriguez is the other variable that like we know the talents there, and if he pitches up to that talent, he can lead the he can win a game for the Orioles. Um, if that happens in 2023 or not, um, we'll see. But yeah, of course, there's going to be bumps and bruises and, and growing pains. Still, he's a young guy in his first season, but. Um, I do agree with Eli that the the stuff he was putting out there on the mound looked a lot better than it did in late May. And, you know, he just needs to, that's part of, of the learning process is not gassing yourself out, not leaving O2 fastballs in the middle of the plate to Mookie Betts that you get bailed out when Aaron Hicks throws him out at second base. Like those are kinds of things that you don't do when you learn how to pitch the big league level. So um, yeah, happy to have him back and uh, we'll see how, how it goes. All right, let's talk trade deadline. Uh, the first thing to note is there was a report from Buster only, not not a super in-depth report by any means, but a single tweet or a single X or whatever it's called nowadays, uh, where he just said that rival executives, I'll read the tweet in full, actually. Uh, it says, rival execs say the Orioles seem to be measured buyers leading up to the deadline, willing to deal from position player surplus to upgrade pitching, but not perceived to be fishing for big pricey deals at this point. So I wrote something on camdenchat.com that was sort of about this tweet specifically and just the Orioles approach more broadly at the deadline. And sort of my takeaway is they're the Orioles are trying to thread the needle here, right? They're trying to, they're trying to compete and support a team that has been better than expected, but they're not trying to mortgage the future in order to do it, which is not a unique decision from to the Orioles. A lot of teams try to do this. And also the last three words of that tweet at this point does a lot of work there. I mean, in the next week, something could develop if Shohei Otani goes on the market and the price they're asking for isn't exorbitant. Maybe the Orioles get involved in a Shohei Otani kind of deal. But Eli, what do you think about this tweet from Buster Olney uh, that the Orioles are going to be measured buyers at the deadline. Is that how you think they should be? Would you be happy with that outcome or would you prefer something else? I think the first thing that I'll say is this is the least surprising thing that I've ever yeah. read. <laughs> the second thing that I'll say is that, you, you know, I, I see it from both sides. You, you know, I, it's kind of a difficult thing because I think that, Measured in terms of us is a different thing than measured in terms of some other team. And and what I mean by that is like, I was talking to a friend who's a White Sox fan and he was hitting me up like, you know, what are you going to give me for Dylan Cease? And, you know, my answer is like, you're not getting any of our top five prospects. 
And he was like, it's two and a half years of control of somebody who, you know, was just a Cy Young contender last year. And that's true, you know, but the fact of the matter is that the top 10 for the Orioles is top five anywhere else. The top five for the Orioles are top two anywhere else. You, You know, like we have a different caliber of prospect. And so measured for us is, no, I will not give you Jackson Holiday for Shohei Otani. You, no. you know, and that's like that's unequivocally what I want. <laughs> um, that said, you know, like we can deal from the back end of the top 100, the back end of you know our top 10 prospects, a la Samuel Basayo and Connor Norby and these kinds of guys. And I think that there's a lot of value to be had there. Um, and you know, both of those guys are like, a you know we have Adley Rutschman. So Basayo, sure, he could go become a first baseman. He could go do whatever. There are a thousand things that could happen. But, you know, largely we are set at the position that he plays. So while he is a top 100 prospect with a ton of helium, everyone's excited about him. Capitalize on that. You know, Connor Norby, like, is having a bit of a down year, but he had a 960 OPS or whatever last year. Like, capitalize on that. And so... I think there are situations where the Orioles can be buyers without mortgaging our future, you know, as people say. And I think that like, I, yeah, I, I agree with that approach. I don't think that we should be getting rid of a holiday. I don't think we should be getting rid of Kobe Mayo necessarily. I think those are all, you know, things that we can continue to ride with and still improve the team to a point where it's satisfactory in like moving forward for this year in itself. Yeah, real quick, just a quick mortgage joke. Yeah, you don't want to mortgage your future with the the rates as high as they are right now. Oh, am I, am I right? Oh, <laughs> financial humor. Wow. Um, thanks for we, that. Time. We went there. We went there. Thank you, uh, <laughs> Jesse. Uh, what are your thoughts on the future? Do you kind of uh, do you do you agree with Eli that that this is the approach the Orioles really should take or? do you want to be aggressive? I mean, look, you're on pace to win hundred games right now. This doesn't happen every year. Let's go. What do you think? So recently I have been granted, you know, I know this Orioles front office and I'm not getting my hopes too high, but I have spun the wheels thinking about Shohei Otani and (laughs) Um, we all I, have. I, yeah, and I, I think about him all the time. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is uh, the only thing let, I think about. Let me <laughs> let me rephrase what I'm saying. I have thought about him becoming an Oriole. Oh uh, yeah, or recently, uh, you know. I also he, think about. Oh, him okay, okay, an yeah. I mean, clear. not just Hitting thinking the about him in the abstract, you know. Yeah. Uh, so my thing about my thing, uh, so. I mean, if we if we want to do the Shohei conversation right now, my thing is if the Orioles got him, yeah, like we'd be instant World Series favorites. Like I, in my mind, like I think that would elevate this team from you know from very 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 good top five team in baseball to the best team in baseball, and yeah. and, and I- we would be the team to beat. I think heading into the playoffs if we had Otani. I actually am not sure I agree with that. Like, I I think we'd be the team to beat in the American League, and I think it'd be pretty clear. But the, the Braves Dodgers. are so wildly good. They are great. 
Yeah. And, and, and the Dodgers can't be counted out, too. Yeah. I don't know. The, the Dodgers have flaws, though. Yeah. I, the Dodgers really, like, are not the same team that they typically are. And they've had so many pitchers go down. Right. Bueller's out, Mays out, et cetera, et cetera. Their like, pen is struggling. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, Dodgers don't worry so much. Like, it, it is purely the Braves. They are, I think undeniably the best team in the bigs and it's just like not even close mm-hmm. um yeah so yeah I, yeah I just wanted to throw that in there yeah but I, to, I, to your point jesse mm-hmm. if the Orioles could get shohei otani you know obviously i think we all i mean maybe we all agree you're not going to give up jackson holiday for it but mm-hmm. you know what do you think you're putting that out there so your thought is what that if they could get him for a reasonable enough price you'd pull the trigger on that yeah yeah i i mean yes uh yeah i mean uh, <laughs> well, well what's a reasonable price I well mean, i mean, you, I, I mean you've that... got to give up like two right. you know be... top 30 top 50 prospects For and sure. then you're gonna throw in you know an already major leaguer and probably right. two more lower level prospects like, right for sure for two months so for t- I, for t- I, for two months, but it, it's like giving the <laughs> Orioles like a legit shot to win the World Series this year. And if the Orioles were able to win the World Series this year, you know, quote unquote, mortgaging the future or a piece of it, you know, that would be worth it. I mean, of course, like it could blow up in our face and we could exit in the first round. That's possible. But you know, this is a great team. This is a very good team right now, you know, and opportunities opportunities like this don't happen all the time. I'm not saying Jackson Holiday necessarily, but go ahead. Yeah, I agree. You know, like, I, I agree that, like, we need to push some chips in. You know, I'm not trying to, like, combat that, but I think that, I don't know. You you know, like we are seeing Tyler Wells, like every conversation that we've had about this Orioles rotation, it's been Wells, Kramer, Bradish, you you know, like those three have really taken steps forward and are playing extremely well. And we've been talking about the concerns with every single one of them hitting their innings limits and starting to feel fatigue. And I think we're starting to see it with Tyler Wells. You, You know, it's like the walk rates are starting to go up a little bit over the last month. We are just seeing like certain cracks and so i don't know jess you you were saying earlier like who is the best team in the playoffs and i think if you are like constrained to a situation where you don't need a five-man rotation you know like i think i think that our rotation lacks like the upper level talent like we've been talking but it is deep enough to compete you know on a like constant six games a week rotation Whereas when we cut that down to three starters, like I think that if we go up against the Rays and it's McClanahan and then Glass now, you know, it's like that's a different situation. Um, and I'm kind of like almost echoing your point from earlier too. And obviously Otani helps that immensely. Don't get me I, wrong. I'm confused. I, I feel like you're making the case for Otani, <laughs> but you. Slow. I think you're. I, yeah. I mean, I mean, what I'm saying is that I think like the cracks in the the flaws in the Orioles are substantial enough that oh I don't know that that like it would make Otani doesn't fully cut. I, I think that Otani mm-hmm. doesn't fully cut it for us. I guess is what I'm saying. 
you, you know, like we'd have to make more moves around the periphery of him. Mm. And I think by the time you are done doing that, I think then you have gone past a point where I'm comfortable. Well, so what I would say, though, about the Otani thing is I, I think it remains to be seen. Well, first of all, we don't know he's available. And I, I'm not sure I buy that the Angels are going to sell him. But I don't think it's going to cost as much to get, to your point, two months of him as it would be for a normal like star player who's got two three years of team control like he's like gone. soto soto yeah. was yeah yeah i've seen people compare the package to get to, to what it might take to get otani to what the dodgers paid the nationals for trey turner and max scherzer a couple of years ago where turner had another year of team control but scherzer was gone after the season and you know you can you can spin it in your mind to say like two months of Otani is semi similar to those two in that time span. They're probably both worth a little bit more than Otani in that well, time. Well, but I, I mean to that effect, you know that was Josiah Gray and Cabert Ruiz who were both sure. like clear top fifty, top one hundred prospects, right? And you know like AAA, MLB ready, right? And what I would say to that is if you look at like I mean Josiah Gray is is really good right now. Kyber Ruiz is fine. Like he's fine. He's a very serviceable big league catcher, but they're prospects. Like we don't know what they're going to turn into. We're seeing all these guys with the Orioles are now these young guys, you know, the odds that Westberg, Kowser, Henderson, Rutschman, like all of them turn into like studs that start every single day are, are low. Like we're seeing it with Rutschman and Henderson. They're good. Kowser, Westberg. We'll see Ruiz. Okay, you know, you could give or take him as a, as a, as your everyday catcher. Maybe you find somebody better. Josiah Gray, I think, is in ev- most big league rotations in the league. Like, maybe you, you – not all the infielders are going to work. You need to trade some of them to get something back. For sure. Maybe maybe Otani's not the move, but you get him. You solve, you solve a rotation spot, although he's had issues with blisters and stuff lately. But theoretically, you solve a rotation spot, and then you also add a power bat to your lineup anyway right. like that, you, that, that, you that's what i was that's what i was that's how i was thinking about it in my mind is it solves two things the orioles could use right yeah so i mean yeah. it causes issues too because the dh spot right now is essentially like a half day off for a guy every other day rushman's going in there twice a week you know they'd have to change how they get rushman in the lineup like it does complicate things a little bit but in a good way um but i, I think we're all kind of saying the same thing which is that I think we'd love to have Otani in a vacuum, like on the Orioles, but it's about what it's going to cost to get him onto the Orioles. And maybe right. some of us can some stomach it, others can't. And it, and it's also, you know, the Orioles' interest is greatly diminished because they're not going to pay, you know, the five hundred million to re-sign sure. him. So, or the six or seven hundred million to re-sign him yeah. in the off season. So. You know, if the Orioles were trying to make that move, then, you know, maybe, you know, uh, a deadline move would, you know, make more sense um, than just, you know, getting him for knowingly two months. And um, yeah, which is which is unfortunate. But um, yeah, I mean, I have been I have been thinking about this because, I mean, it's it's so tantalizing to to try to figure something out for him and the Orioles have so many available prospects you know um that 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 could go and really wouldn't compromise you know the overall 
direction i i think of the orioles in the future right so yeah well i think that's the whole thing is i have to imagine that mike elias has a pool of players that and you know it's not just mike elias it's the whole front office has a pool of players that they're comfortable trading this deadline absolutely they know they have to do it and some of them are top 100 types you know we've talked about the infield uh, you know, we talk, we we have a, a connection to Joey Ortiz here, but he's certainly in that category. Connor Norby's in that category. Um, uh, Cesar Prieto might be in there because he's another high uh, minors guy. And then you start getting into some of the outfielders that are maybe a little bit younger because the the outfield talent is is Kowser and Kerstad, and you know you got Enrique Bradley now coming behind him. Um, Bradfield. Bradfield. Sorry, I was thinking of Jackie Bradley. Uh, uh, so I think then that becomes like Dylan Beavers and those types, but, um, yeah, I, I just think there's a pool of players to get moves done. And I think you kind of talked about this, Eli. And once those, those, uh, funds are exhausted, what do you, what do you do next? And I don't know. I don't know. I don't, they're not going to go all in. It's not surprising, but they got to make a couple moves and it's, there's only so many players to go around. So, um, we'll see, but. But back to the the Buster only tweet in general, like yeah, <laughs> like you said, Eli. Though it's not surprising. This is what we expect from the Orioles, and um, I don't think it's it's not a bad way to go. Uh, we'll see, but yeah, not surprising uh, at all. I I have to say, like as an Orioles fan, and I you know my guess is a lot of Orioles fans sort of feel like this. It it really is a hard pill to swallow, right? Because the Orioles have all the evidence that they are headed to the playoffs, right? And I'm not saying not getting Otani. I'm just saying, you know, the measured sort of approach. You know, it's a hard pill to swallow because the Orioles have all the evidence that they are legitimately a good team, that they are a threat in the playoffs. We have probably the best farm system, you know, one of the best farm systems in baseball, right? So we have the most available you know, they're people, but resources, quote unquote, you know, in order to acquire the talent that could support this major league team. Mm -hmm. And even with all that, the Orioles front office is not going to do that as decisively as we would want them to. Yeah. And that is disappointing. I will say like, you know, I feel like we're saying this every six months now, but this winter does feel like it should be a little different. They're talking the the talk around the Orioles is a little bit different. If they sign some big free agents and they take 2024 really serious, that'll feel good. But yeah, there it, it feels like something's empty here. Like you might win 100 games. Like it feels like a time to go go for it. And they're not gonna do that. It doesn't sound like. So yeah, you're you're right. It is a little bit disappointing. But we got we got eight days here to maybe they'll prove us wrong. We'll see. Yeah. I, the only other thing that I'll say, right? It obviously. You cannot take like a 100 win season for granted, yeah. but the point to the, like, to the contrary is that because of the market as it's shaping up at this trade deadline, right? You cashing in these poker chips is going to be a much lower return on investment for the caliber of player and quantity of player that you are going to get in return. Mm-hmm. than if you hold on to them, three more months and you wait until the off season, you know, where like a trade market is set 
by the people who go and make trades. It, you, you know, it's like, I think that the situation's a lot different because there is obviously not that time pressure and you don't have the context of the standings and everything like that. Obviously, I, I am not one to say that the Orioles are like, you, you know, that that frees them from making any moves. Definitely, like, you have to do something. I just talked about, like, trading a couple top 100 guys. Multiple top 100 guys should go at this deadline. I am just saying that I understand the sentiment that, you know, if we do hold on to some of this prospect capital, we go into the offseason, and then we can, like, really, really do damage come back in with the exact same core that we have this year. And for all intents and purposes, you know, give it a better shot next year. If we trade those guys in this off season, than if we had traded them mid season right here at the trade deadline, that's all I'm saying. I I guess my general response to that, right. (laughs) And, and I hear that. Right. And I understand that, all the evidence wasn't there that the Orioles were going to be good, but the Orioles sat on their hands last off season, you know, they sold, so well, yeah, the off season. Yeah, sure. I mean, so yeah, I mean, that's if they had an active off season, you know, I'd be more sympathetic to that, but you know, now that we're good, you know, now it's like, Oh, well, now we have to wait another three months no, for no, the no, market I, to be a little more favorable. I know you're not saying do nothing. I know, you know, I know you just said trade a couple of them. You know what I'm saying? But, well, but like, yeah, go uh, ahead. Let me also just say real quick, like I, I want to add the caveat that I'm not saying this is necessarily what the Orioles are going to do this off season. Like, and I definitely could see them being even like, I could see them being more conservative than I want them to be in the upcoming off season and at this trade deadline. And then, you know, like six of the eight guys we have on pipelines, top 100 prospects are still here next year. Like I can a thousand percent see that happening and it'd be totally disappointing. And I am not basing myself on like the history of the Orioles front office and what I'm expecting to happen. I'm basing it off of like, if I were in this situation, how would I handle it? So fully fully agree that like there are no indications that this coming off season the Orioles are going to go ballistic and you know trade for an all-star with four years of control yeah I fully agree yeah it's it's definitely the case where they got to prove it to us because we just don't know we haven't seen Mike Elias manage the Orioles in a way that is trying to go for the playoffs he's he's developed an organization that has the goal of winning every single year. But in the moment, we haven't seen him make the moves to put a team over top over the top yet. So we just have to see it. Um, All right. Well, we've kind of gotten into this a little bit. Let's talk general discussion just about what the Orioles are going to do at the deadline, this trade deadline immediately. Um, Jesse, you did say something specifically a moment ago where you did not think the Orioles are going to go for a starter. You thought a reliever. Yeah. Do you want to expand on that? And do you want to like name some names of guys maybe you're eyeballing or what do you want to do here? Well, I mean, the guy I was thinking about uh, was Josh Hader. Um, now, you, you know, it's sort of debatable. Now, granted, you know, I don't love Josh Hader, as, you know, uh, but uh, given sort of the Orioles situation, I think that he would make some sense. Um, first of all, he's a power arm from the left-handed side. 
um, which would be a nice sort of counterbalance to Felix. Um, we have uh, Perez and we have Coulomb. Coulomb is a, a soft throwing lefty and Perez uh, is, you know, he throws pretty hard, but um, is, yeah. you know, has been relatively struggling this year relative to last year, especially. So, um, you know, no idea, you know, and of course, uh, you know, still not sure whether Hater will be available. The Padres are kind of in, an, you know, an interesting situation where they could be either buying or selling. Um, they, a report actually just came out today that they are listening on Snell and Hater. Okay, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I wouldn't. Uh, so I mean, yeah, and I, I, I guess I just think the Orioles are going to go for the bullpen help uh for a couple of reasons one uh because it's <laughs> it's more affordable yeah, it's uh, easier. so yeah. it's easier right exactly <laughs> um so there's that uh component of it um you know it's going to be easier to get bullpen help and not have to you know let go of a prospect that they're excited about um or have some some interest in um, so there's there's that perspective of it. Um, and, I, you know, I feel like the Orioles, especially, um, you know, Wells. OK, you know, he's a little bit of a question mark, but, um, you know, I, I think the Orioles are going to try to, like, figure it out with this rotation. Um, I think that I think this rotation sort of has the depth um, that the Orioles sort of feel like they're going to be able to find for serviceable uh pitchers for the playoffs and yes they're not going to be um they're not going to be the Shohei Otani ace that that you know would be useful uh for the Orioles in the playoffs but um they it's very possible that you know they overperform and that you know Kramer and Bradish etc are competitive in the playoffs so i think they're going to be willing to sort of let this let this group uh go and um sort of tamper around the edges um and then sort of work to address the bullpen because yeah it's an easier task yeah i mean that would definitely jive with their kind of theory so far this season where they kind of let the young guys sort of carry them as high as they can go but you so you think one more move and it's going to be for a bullpen arm and your preference would be josh Hader. uh well uh what i would say i so i could see a couple bullpen moves you know or you know, two bullpen moves or something like that. Um, I, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, again, I don't love hater, but I think like as a baseball player, he would fit in well with, with the team and, um, would, would be a good piece for the bullpen. So yeah. Maryland guy Orioles drafted him. Not that, not this Orioles regime, but yeah. yeah. Um, okay, cool. Uh, Eli, what do you think? I mean, I know you got on here about our, our outline about starter versus reliever. So I don't know if you want to answer that question and then maybe get into specifics. Yeah, I, I actually agree with Jess. Um, I, I think they go reliever also partially for, yeah, it's just like you said, partially for the cost to acquire and partially for, um, I, I, I don't know. I think that we have the makings of a, you know, like sufficiently good playoff rotation. Uh, I don't think that it's fully rounded into form, but I think that by the end of the year, out of Grayson, Wells, Bradish, uh, Kramer, 
Kramer and Gibson, you know, you are going to have three guys that will, you know, like be solid enough to carry you through the playoffs, like probably not Gibson, but, um, you know, hopefully Grayson will round into form. And then, you know, Kramer and Bradish have been objectively awesome. We've talked about Wells a couple of times, but I do just want to reiterate, like his calling card was his whip, you know, was the best in the American League. It might still be, but, you know, over four games in July, it's already up over 1.5. The batting average against him has gone from 177 in April, March, 176 in May to 257 over these four games in July. So definitely like we are starting to see some cracks. And so I think that the Orioles are going to try to further and further shorten the game for these starting pitchers. Um, You know, I think it's a tried and true strategy in the playoffs, particularly because you do have more off days between games. You know, you can send Felix Bautista out there two days in a row, and you know that's going to be fine because it's only ever two days in a row. Um, He will get a day off the next day. So I was also looking at relievers. And, uh, you know, Jesse mentioned having a lefty uh, to kind of balance out the back end. And somebody had mentioned, uh, I think it was actually Jim Bowden, was just talking generally about trade candidates. And my eyes kind of were drawn to Brooks Raley. Oh, super, okay. super soft thrower. Yeah. But, man, he is a 99th percentile in hard hit percentage, 97th percentile in average exit velocity. Um you, you know, like he is striking guys out. He's a, like from a bullpen fit perspective, he's also kind of a soft thrower. Um, you know, he only averages like, yeah, like 90 on his fastball and is super, super sweeper heavy. He throws a sweeper 40% of the time. So it, it's definitely a profile that is akin to Danny Coulomb's. And, you know, that's like, a knock on him inherently, but at the same time, uh, you know, Rayleigh is a taller, lankier guy, whereas Coulomb is a shorter and more like drive through the plate kind of guy. So I think that there is like enough separation there. Um, and Rayleigh still, you know, has, I think, three years of control remaining after this. Um, He's old, though. Yeah, he is old. <laughs> He's already but, 35, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, but like, the results have been really good and they were really good last year as well. So definitely yep. um, I, I think there's, I think there's something there and he'd be relatively affordable. Like we said, um, and he's a couple million dollars. So, you know, the Mets are obviously going to try to shed some salary where they can. Um, and we offer to eat up all of that. I think something could be had. Um, yep. The only other name I was talking on Twitter last night uh Bob Felon from The Verge had tweeted out, Matt Brash, if uh, the Mariners have been said to be listening on multiple relievers, they've got an unbelievable back end of their bullpen between Andres Munoz, Paul Sewald, and Brash. I just love Brash personally. Um, and I think one of the interesting things about him, he definitely would be more expensive. He'd be more expensive than Hayter, I think, just because he is like, you know, he's the, he's only in his second year. He's got another four years of control. He's also got the potential to be a starter next year. You know, he's got uh, probably like four plus pitches in fastball, curve, slider, and changeup. The changeup is kind of, you know, eh, maybe it's just average, but the slider is one of the best in the game. The curveball is unbelievably tight. 
the fastball, he runs it up to 98 to 100 out of the pen. He's 96 to 98 as a starter. You know, there's like so much to love here, so much to work with. Um, I think it would be obviously expensive to go get him. But like we were saying, you know, the Orioles have this prospect capital. I think you can undoubtedly go and do that. Um, and, you know, if I had to like magically, I don't know, if I had to create my best realistic scenario, I think it would, I think it would be Matt Brash. I, I would absolutely love to bring him into this bullpen. And he's, you know, I'm talking about him as a potential starter next year. He is capable of going multiple innings. He is capable of, you know, if Cano has thrown in the past day or past two days, whatever, you go ahead and Brash can give you two innings to bridge you to Felix. And I think he's versatile. I think he's got the high upside. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, he strike he's in the 99th percentile in K percentage. He strikes out guys like there's you know, like there's no tomorrow. So like Felix. Like Felix, absolutely. And you know, like yeah, he, yeah, he, he throws 98 miles an hour. I think he's just absolutely phenomenal. Um, kind of a low arm slot, like low vertical approach angle, you know, like all sorts of good stuff. So yeah. No, I, I like it. I, Rayleigh was definitely on my list. I've had him on fantasy most of the year. Um, and he gets holds. Older guy with some control. If they do talk to the Mets, I kind of like a two-for-one special. They got David Robertson there. Right. That'd be a that, fun little combo. Definitely interesting. Yeah. Righty-lefty. Um, you could do something like that with the Cardinals, too. The Cardinals are going to be trying to unload guys. Jordan Hicks is available there. Um, they got their their closer, uh, Giovanni Gallegos. I can't say that name, but that'd be fun. You had it, Gallegos. Gallegos. There we go. Um, So I'm kind of of the same mind as you guys. I think if they do go get a guy, I kind of like Michael Fulmer with the Cubs a lot. It's a boring addition, but been around (laughs) the league for a long time. Has started in the past. Could probably go multiple innings. Um, You probably put him in there as like your seventh, sixth, seventh inning guy. Um, I kind of like Fulmer a lot. I do think they need two arms. Well, here's what I'll say. If D.L. Hall can come back and be a bullpen guy down the stretch, which I would love this season, then they only need to get one guy. Because I think D.L. Hall can step in, be a guy, throws hard, going to walk some people, but is exciting and should be as fresh as it gets. Like he's not pitching right now. He's in Florida lifting weights that if they held on to him, I would love D.L. Hall in the back of this bullpen to round out the year and then you go get a michael fulmer a very boring whatever (laughs) edition and and make and rock with that um if not that then i would love a two-for-one deal with the with the mets for uh rally and and robertson that would be amazing because rally his name is brooks you can't go wrong getting a guy named brooks and putting him on the it's true it fits in baltimore absolutely I mean, the, the the only thing to say about that is, you know, of course, we probably need the bullpen help for the regular season, but, you know, and it's probably too early to be penciling Grayson into the bullpen in the playoffs. It's definitely too early for that because, you know, he's a very legitimate chance to um, to be a starter in the playoffs. But with that said, um, and you know, because he could be a starter, I guess you can't really factor him into the bullpen at the deadline, but that would be an alternative way to, you know, get playoff bullpen help. Um, is to, That's true. If, if he doesn't make the cut for the rotation. Yeah. Similar to in, in uh, 2014, they put Gossman out there in the pen and he was really good in the bullpen right. in the, in the playoffs. That was, was huge in that Tigers series. Um, 
So no, I think that's legitimate as well. And plus with the way rosters work, you could leave a guy off for one round, bring him back the next round. You know, that's a way to, I mean, you got to get to the next round, which is a bit of a gamble, but that's yeah, the hard lot, part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of ways, a lot of ways to play it. Um, so I, I do think I agree with you guys that they're going to go reliever first, but because I just don't think they're going to pay the price you're going to need to, to get a starter that has the multiple years of control, like a Dylan sees. I just don't think they're going to do it. And then to your point, Eli, earlier about the value, getting a starter for two months is the value there. I'd love Lucas Giolito, but for two months, I don't know. And you can sign Lucas Giolito in December yeah. for a four or five year deal, if that's what you want to do. Um, so yeah, I think that's, we're kind of all in agreement that they need to go get bullpen help. Um, hopefully they do it and, uh, don't have to give up too much when they're doing it. We'll see. Um, all right. Well, anything else to add to the, the trade discussion before we kind of wrap stuff up? I'm happy. Hope, hope the O's do something. Yeah. Gotta do something. I, I, I guess I will say, yeah, this is worth saying. I, I like, I, in this podcast, have taken on the role of, I feel like, the more conservative out of the three of us as to how much we need to spend. Yeah. By no means should people come away from this saying, well, Eli thought that we really didn't need to do that much. That is unequivocally not what I'm saying. <laughs> and again, I think that multiple top 100 prospects need to be on the move this year. I think that we can like go and get a lot of value here. Um, yeah. Like this is a phenomenal team. And if we abstain from investing in it in any way, shape or form, like as Jesse said, that's totally negligent. That is a failure on the part of the front office. This team is so good. And we like, you know, we're seeing baseball at a caliber that we have not seen in Baltimore in almost a decade. It's super exciting. You know, like there is a certain amount of, I don't know, as just said earlier, like miracle year feel like it just feels magical. We've got the dope celebrations. We're all having fun. Like there's a lot of laughter, a lot of smiling, and it feels like things are clicking at the right times. You know, we're getting into the dog days of August, quote unquote. And this team looks like, you know, it's coming off its hottest series of the entire year. Maybe not hottest, but its biggest series of the year, yeah. taking three or four from the race, right? So, it, you know, there are so many reasons to say that we need to go and we need to get some guys and, like, invest in this. Yeah. So I just want to make sure that people understand where I'm coming from. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. And I also, I'll add to that about it feeling like a magic season is – it's also just because they are winning at like the rate you expect a really good team to win. And I think us as Orioles fans and our, you know, we're all near 30 near Jesse and I are 30. Eli's a little behind that. Um, we're just not really used to it. So I think like, I don't exactly know as a fan how to feel when my team is good. When my baseball team is good. We're in the uncharted territory. Well, we are. <laughs> For we sure. are it just it doesn't feel normal i'm used to like by july i'm like all right the ravens have a uh uh preseason game coming up like maybe i'll watch the first quarter of that then i'll put the Orioles game back on when the starters get pulled like that's how i start thinking in july most years because i love the orioles the orioles i care about way more than the ravens but i know the ravens are usually going to be pretty good whereas mm. the orioles are usually going to be pretty bad so i'll try to start balancing the two in late summer but this year it's just not even on my mind and it's just it's just different. And last year was a lot of fun. This team is another level. 
And yeah, I just, I want to double down on that feeling. So I'm with you, Eli. Um, all right. Well, that's all we got for our trade deadline extravaganza. We'll be back um, a couple days after the trade deadline, but if something crazy happens, you know, we'll definitely try to get on the mic and give you guys our two cents, but let's be honest. If the Orioles trade for just like two relievers, I don't know how much there is to really say about that, that we haven't just <laughs> covered. Um, but yeah, anything crazy we'll, we'll get on there, but we'll probably be back in two weeks or so. Um, if you guys like what you hear here, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple podcasts, or wherever you get your audio entertainment. You can also go to Substack. That's uh, the warehousepod.substack.com. You can subscribe to our email list. You'll get the podcast directly to your inbox. You should please follow us on Twitter or X or whatever it's called at the warehouse pod. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I don't know what to call it right now. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel, which we're getting really good engagement over there. So just search for us on YouTube. The warehouse podcast will come up. Uh, if you don't see us there, you know, go to where you, you're getting this podcast here and we should have a link to it somewhere below that. So check that out. Uh, we'd love to get to 100 subscribers on YouTube before the end of the season. I think we're at like 60 some right now. So get our numbers up over there. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah. And, and I got something to finish with. I was going to say, please rate and subs- rate, rate us five stars. Give us a thumbs up. All that jazz. That's it. Eli, what do you got to say? Sorry. Tweet from Mr. John Morosi. 41 minutes ago. Mm. Sources. Orioles, comma, D-backs. Among teams inquiring with the Angels about <laughs> Shohei Otani's <laughs> trade availability. Oh. Both clubs' interest has been described as due diligence. Okay. Both teams have the young talent base conducive to making a trade. At MLB Network, at MLB Pipeline. <laughs> Tweet like Don't know person. if I needed to say those, but I felt like I should just finish it out because I was on a roll. Oh, wow. That is huge. This I'll tell you, there's some magic about this episode. We've A lot has happened on the peripheral of this episode. <laughs> well, we also didn't mention, yeah, that uh, among our other injury scares, uh, we also saw Colton Kowser foul a foul ball off his leg. So there's definitely uh, some bad yeah. juju about center field at Citizens Bank Park right now. Yeah, maybe maybe yeah. we should get out of here. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess the tweet doesn't warrant uh, another Shohei Otani discussion. No. But yeah, I we kind of we kind of covered it. We covered it. We would all yeah. love to have him. It's just about what it costs. Yeah, right. The sun has gone down, and we can like no longer see Jesse anymore. So I think he's also he's also indication. laying. He's laying down now. He didn't start the podcast laying down. <laughs> But, I'm not. I'm not really laying down. Like, okay. I, I'm kind of at a like 45 degree angle, so I'm like part upright and you're part reclined. Back. Yeah. But the legs yeah, are yeah, horizontal. Right. The legs are horizontal. True. Well, that but that's always the situation because you know I don't have a chair in here. You know. Oh yeah, we can't be buying chairs and putting them in our. <laughs> There's our not room. really space. Yeah, it's know? it's a it's a yeah, New York yeah. bedroom. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's true. But that's true. Yeah. So, all right. Well, if if, a, if an Otani trade happens, we will whatever some combination oh. of us, one of us, two of us, three of us, we, we'll get together within we'll ten minutes of the trade. We're <laughs> yeah. gonna be on it. Yeah. All right. Oh well, that's gosh. that's a promise. Do we need to be like starting a, a tweet, like a tweet storm at Mike Elias to like go get Otani or something? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure he yeah. would listen to that. Yeah, I'm sure that would. We did a, 
we did do that for Caleb Joseph and it didn't work. So if it didn't work for Caleb Joseph, then I don't see how it could work for Shea Otani. Right. If we couldn't convince him to sign up for Caleb Joseph, which yeah. would have been the only player to ever go a whole season without an RBI. That's like, true. What are we doing? That's a unique talent. I'm just saying. And he got a sponsorship from a uh, an athletic supporter uh, or a cup or whatever many years ago. So I do not remember that. But you don't remember that? Look it yeah. up, people. Caleb Joseph, okay. groin injury, and then cup sponsorship. <laughs> do that incognito mode but well a lot of love to Caleb Joseph <laughs> <laughs> all right well we're running out of things to say so we're gonna get out of here but yeah subscribe follow like do all the things uh until next time this has been the warehouse podcast I'm Tyler I'm Jesse and I'm Eli thank you for listening <laughs>